So, John, I've got a pre-question to your question, okay. which is, um, which prints are you best at dressing up as? Which prints am I best at dressing up as? Well, mm. we all know the answer. I am, I am Prince Harry. We are as twins. Mm-hmm. Yes. How, how do people react to that? It's like he's in the room. Yeah, is Lots it? of doffed caps and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, screaming and fainting and, yeah. Yeah, no one's getting you mixed up with anybody else. Nope, just it's Harry. never happened. No, just Harry. I only mm. look like Harry. That's mm. the only one. Okay, sure. I'll, yeah. take, I'll take your word for it. You but for your main question, hopefully the answer is not the same. Which royal family member do you think you'd be most successful in sleeping with to become their favourite? Hmm, okay, I'm going to throw a question back at you. Oh, no, how many how members of works. the royal family do you actually know? Okay, okay. So we got Harry. Yeah. Kinda. Okay, no, don't just name minor royals. Okay, the Queen has... Harry's not a minor... Okay, not minor, okay. He's a direct line. Okay, no, he's in the direct line. Okay, so I'm assuming you know William and Harry. Yeah, sure, okay. Will and Harry, both their wives. Yeah. Uh, We've also got uh, the Queen. Yes. Philip. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Albert. There are no Alberts. Damn. (laughs) <laughs> it was a good guess, but no. <laughs> so, okay, I'll, I'll no, so sorry, sorry, sorry. I got I got Philip and Albert mixed. No, I got Philip and Charles mixed up, and then I just thought like his name must be Albert. Then the the, the her, her partner, what the Queen's partner? Yeah, who I now realise is, is Philip. That's Philip. Okay, um, and then her son is Charles. Yes, and he was with Diana. Yes, and then they had their two kids. Yes, um, there's a Margaret, the Queen's sister. Duh. Yes, someone's yeah. been watching The Crown. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I did it. I had to write a quiz once. Okay. And let's see, well, this Prince Andrew's been in the news for something. Yes. I've never heard of Prince Andrew before he's been in the news, and I'm not fully sure what he's been in the news for. I know oh, it's not bless. good. It's not nothing good, no. Let's <laughs> leave it at that. Nothing good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, so I don't need to get into like cousins. The Queen has four children. Mm-hmm. You've named two. Right. One of whom only because he's recently been like in all the papers. Mm. Those two other two children? Anything? Nope, not at all. So I could say anyone. I could say, oh, I would have sex with Prince. Okay, if the people I've heard of, people I've heard of. That's very limiting. Because I was going to say that the Queen's youngest son, Prince Edward, has long been rumoured to have homosexual proclivities, although he has been married for a long time. So, you know, Mm. allegedly, don't sue us. Um, (laughs) So he'd be the easiest. But then what would I get out of that? I don't see the benefit, frankly. You'd be Prince Edward's favourite. Um, okay, well, you know, which one would you pick then? Would you, would you rather be the Queen's favourite? I wouldn't want to be favourite of any of them. I'd, I'd, it's would a you want, life. rather be Will's, Will's favourite? I feel like if I was to sleep with Harry, mm-hmm. it would be a bit weird. It'd be like twinning. It'd be like looking in the mirror. Because so similar, it yeah. would just be freaky and wrong, yeah. Mm-hmm. Me, myself, I'd go for the Queen. You'd shag the Queen, really? Yeah. For what sign, purpose? She'd sign it all off. To get all, I'd, the... I'd have the country. It would be mine. That's what you want for you. you I want, want the be... empire. Yes. You want to be the king. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've got bad news for you about the empire. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have a little history lesson after this. Uh, <laughs> after this podcast is over. Sure. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we're pitching prequels, sequels and spin-offs to The Favourite, our favourite film from last year's Oscars, Yay! I guess. Mm-hmm. We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing from our listeners with the submissions they've posted on our Facebook and Twitter pages. But first we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments and give a bit of a plot summary. I am Harry, the host with the most favourite films. Well, that's probably true. Yeah. And joining me as always, the co-host with just one favourite film because he's... Do you just call me the co-host? Yeah, because he's too stubborn to admit that any film can be better than Tony Collette getting grumpy about ABBA. It's John co-host Lucas. Okay, first of all, what's this co-host bullshit? This is new. Is this subtle power play going on here? Mm. Okay. Stand the guy who does the intro. Okay. It just sounds like you devoted me a little bit. Like, you're the host and I'm just the co-host. Oh, well, sorry. All right, okay, we'll see. You should have got in there first, like all dibs. No, you're better at the intros, but... You know. Well, there we go. <laughs> and yet Muriel's winning is... I'm, I'm just loyal. You know, I don't change my favourite film every two years, like you. I I picked one and I'm consistent. I'm not saying other films can't come along and be good, but, you know, your favourite, it's in your heart. Mm. And my heart belongs to Muriel's wedding. Okay, sure. Well, I'll take your word for it. Now, speaking of the favourite... Yes. What do you think of this film? Oh, this is a joy. Yeah. <laughs> I was so happy to revisit this. Mm-hmm. Truly. It's... Mm-hmm. So good. I mean, I remember 
literally from the first trailer. This must be going back like two or three years now. When the, this film came out in like January 2018, did mm, it? Yeah, I think so. Did it come out the same year it won the Oscar or did it come out like a year before and it was like a long wait? I think it came out the same year because... Oh, so okay. It was only about a year ago then. I think so, yeah. Okay. I was wondering whether it was one that was around for a while. But I remember when we... The, the trailer must have been about two years ago though, or like 18 months. Yeah. Because I remember that first trailer when it showed the, a few scenes in this film. And it had the wigs, it had Olivia Coleman, <laughs> the tantrums. And I was immediately like, yes, take yeah. my money. And it truly didn't disappoint. <laughs> and it was everything I wanted it to be and even more. And then we watched it in the cinema and then it had the amazing moment at the Oscars when Olivia Coleman surprised everyone by winning. Mm-hmm. And it just, it gave me so much joy. Mm. And it's, yeah, it was an absolute pleasure to revisit it. Mm-hmm. I was very happy with this choice. So thank you. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed it too for pretty much all the same reasons. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it both times. So, there wasn't a lot that I'd forgotten, but I still really felt like I was reliving it. Yeah, and I know what you mean. Yeah, it's got a lot like, of like sort, of sort of reliving it for a first time almost. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm ready for the Russian ambassador. Who did your makeup? We went for something dramatic. Do you like it? You look like a badger. Oh. Are you going to cry? Really? Well, what do you think you look like? So, plot summary? Sure, I guess. It's your turn. Alright, so this is set in, what, the early 1700s? That is correct, yeah. It is based on a true story, obviously. Yeah, Queen Anne is on the throne. She is. And, well, the main character is Emma Stone. Well, not right away. She's introduced a little bit later. At first, at the beginning of the film, Queen Anne has been on the throne for a little while. Mm-hmm. She is a widow. Her husband is dead. She has no children. We find out later she's had 17 miscarriages, which mm-hmm. is, or 17 children have died. Yeah. Some, some survived. To be in, in, in various different ways. In various ways. ways, which yeah. is unbelievably horrible. So she's the queen, but she's not partic- She's very sickly. She's in frail health. She's also quite depressive, mm-hmm. very needy, isn't particularly interested in running the country. No. She, she, she doesn't. We find this very early on when she doesn't even know that the country's still at war. Yeah. She's like, oh, I didn't realise. No. Um, <laughs> and so she, her, the country is essentially being run by her best friend and lover, Lady Sarah Churchill, mm-hmm. played by Rachel Weiss. Yes. So that's the setup at the beginning. Mm-hmm. They are best friends, and Rachel Weisz, uh, Lady Sarah, basically runs the country because she has the ear of the Queen. Mm-hmm. So she's unofficially running the country, essentially. Sure, yeah. Well, the story for me started when Emma Stone uh, comes on the picture. All oh, right, burn on Rachel Weisz. <laughs> <laughs> I never found her that interesting. Uh, well, okay, I disagree. I think she's the most interesting, but we'll get into it. Okay, okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, Emma Stone shows up, and she is she's looking for work. She, she used to be a lady. Well, she's Lady Sarah Churchill's cousin. That's it, yeah, that that too, yeah. Yeah, but she's fallen on hard times, Mm -hmm. and her father actually lost her in a game of whist. Yeah. (laughs) Which is prime bad fatherhood. Mm -hmm. I mean, do people still play whist? uh, Not people of our age. No, do you know how whist... I don't even know how whist works. Uh, I know it's a card game. I think I once played a game with my mum or granny and had a really good time. Okay. (laughs) Sounds like a good time for you. I like that mental image. (laughs) You're just sitting around with the gals playing whist. (laughs) Um... But, uh, yeah, I do, I do not know what the game is. I've completely forgotten everything. No, I have no idea how it's played, but it, it, it's a very, you know, 17th century game. Yeah. yeah, it's a game where you have to, like, score things with pegs. Yes, and also her dad burnt himself down, or burnt his house down burnt with his himself house down. in it. Yes, so um, she's fully at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, like, she has nothing, basically. No. She she arrives with a dress yeah. that she's wearing. I mean, let's not skim past this. Her character introduction is fantastic. Yeah, it's brilliant. So she arrives in this... Well, now, first of all, we get the chapter title, This Mud Smells Terrible, or something yeah. like that. Love all chapter titles. Yeah. And, uh... She's in a carriage. Yeah. A horse-drawn yeah, carriage. Yeah, she, she's in a carriage, and the guy opposite her finds her really attractive and just starts masturbating at well, her. Well, we know he starts masturbating at her. That doesn't yeah. mean he finds her attractive. It just means he starts masturbating at her. Ah, I'd assume. Okay, fine. She's hot, though. All right, fine, we get it. You fancy Emma Stone? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, then he pinches her bum as she gets out. Come on, he fancies her. Okay, fine, yeah. He's, the point, I don't think that's like a key plot point. The point mm. is that he's just some abusive weirdo. Yes. And, and yeah. Uh, yeah, then she falls out of the carriage and lands in the mud, and so yeah. like her appearance is completely ruined. She arrives in the house. Covered house, in mud. Caked in mud. Co- yeah. And for some reason, the house staff do not like her. At all. They hate her from the get-go, I, yeah. I have no idea why. No. Maybe she's too beautiful. Mm-hmm. She doesn't look that pretty when she's covered in mud, though, so... Who does? And, uh, yeah, they show her into where Rachel Vice is. 
yeah. even though she's covered in mud. Oh, that's it. They play the first of many like cruel pranks on her when they're yeah. like, just go through these doors and clean up. And actually, she's walking straight into like the fine dining room where Rachel yeah. Vice and a bunch of rich people are having a conversation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Rachel Vice is currently having a conversation with two politicians. I yes. Is it the two heads of the parties? Possibly. Is Nicholas Holt in that scene? Yeah, I think so. I think okay. this is where you first see Nicholas Holt and sure. whoever is the other guy. Sure. I mean, the other guy is of no import whatsoever, but sure. Yeah. yeah. There's not much going on here, but then when Emma Stone finishes, I think this is about when we get the duck race. Yes. This is the first of many just weird, zany scenes that, you know what, may be historically accurate, I've no idea. Who cares? It's fun. Um, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I think the point they're making with all this is that it, it's it's kind of your classic 17th century like royal court where everyone's just rich and has literally nothing to do. So they're mm. just wandering around this enormous palace, mm-hmm. just killing time. Isn't yeah. it? This is what people did before Twitter. They just raced ducks. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds fun to me. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she begs her cousin, who, she, who she's not seen in many years, because mm. Rachel Vice doesn't even recognise her. But she she says she's come here for work. She basically, she mm. needs employment because she's literally penniless. So she is employed as like a, a, a maid, a scullery maid, like a very low ranking yeah. palace maid. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I really like Rachel Vice's character, because she, I think she's the most interesting. They're all really interesting. But she's maybe the most layered because she is probably the most powerful of the three, at least at the start. Mm. Like she has, she's very competent. She has the queen's ear, basically. She has has full control. But her weakness is that she's very arrogant. Mm. Like she's incredibly, she doesn't even think of Emma Stone as a potential threat Mm -hmm. at all. She's just like, oh, she's useful. Bring her in. Like she never, and the same with the queen. She she never like tries to ingratiate herself or or like she's never like respectful or mm-hmm. deferential she's always mm-hmm. like well i'm here i've got this role and i'm in charge so you know and it's, it's really interesting and that, that it's, the, it's that weakness that emma stone is able to manipulate as the film goes on where mm-hmm. she's able to until very close to the end rachel vice doesn't even see her as a threat no she doesn't notice that she's slowly chipping away at her authority mm-hmm. which i think is fantastic mm-hmm. i really love the the banter that Rachel Weisz and Olivia Coleman have in this. Oh, God, yeah. The like, best scenes of the film are between those two. Yeah, big time, big time. Yeah. Like, one of the first scenes that's an example of this is the badger scene. You look like a badger, yes. Yeah. And then she takes it all out on that poor little page boy, which is like, oh, probably yeah. like the... <laughs> was that the Oscar clip? It was the trailer moment. It was the trailer moment, certain... yeah, yeah. When she's like, look at me, look at me, how dare you? Like, yeah. she, she has a great little tantrum, it's fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, that just encapsulates their whole relationship. Like, mm-hmm. Rachel Weisz just... She tells the truth, but she tells, like, the hard truth. She doesn't sugarcoat anything. Yeah. So I guess it, the first part of the film is describing that, and also Emma Stone starts wheedling her way in. There is a whole plot line going with uh, Nicholas Holt. Oh, Nicholas Holt. Like, he wants to stop Olivia Colman from doubling the land tax. Yes. So, so, that, so that they can afford the war. It's just like Phantom Menace. It's all about tax. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, he's the leader of the opposition. So mm. Sarah Churchill... Rachel Vice's character, she represents the party that is in control right now. And mm-hmm. she, her husband is away, it's fighting this war in France that's been going on for many mm-hmm. years. It's very expensive, as wars always are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's very much for it because it, it's bound up in her and her husband's personal interests. Mm-hmm. Nicholas Holt is against the war because it's causing huge taxes and it's costing him a lot of money. But he can't get into the Queen's inner circle. Yeah. So, yeah, him and Rachel Vice are like undermining each other. They're like bitter rivals. So when Abigail Emma Stone arrives, Nicholas Holt kind of enlists her as a spy mm-hmm. as an internal spy and again I think this, this this whole plot line was really good because what you have to remember in history is that it was very rare for there to be a queen mm. who ruled it was a, yeah. almost always a king Yeah. and when there was a king men like Nicholas Holt's character would have access to them mm. and they'd be able to manipulate the man to his face mm-hmm. and they'd be able to have debates and conversations and actually you know influence the decision making mm-hmm. but because it's a queen she has this circle of women mostly represented by Sarah Churchill and because she's quite weak-minded and not particularly politically active herself, basically that means that all the decision-making is happening out of the realm of the men, so that all they can do is use other women, such as Emma Stone's character, to kind of try and break into this inner circle. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just it's really fascinating. I mean, I love all that like political stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah I know you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nicholas Holt's wigs. Nicholas, I mean, well, is, is now every, the time to talk about it? Everybody's wigs. I mean, yes, l- let's do the wig watch section. Okay, this, this is going to be a good wig watch. Like, mm. his wig in particular, I love that the men were more draggy than the women. Yeah. Like, the men were full It's not drag- just the wigs, it's the makeup as well. Yeah, they are full drag queen. I mean, everyone mm. has crazy, like, makeup, but the men are in full... The women less so. Definitely like, less so. Like, yeah. Olivia Colman does a bit when she's, like, presenting herself to people, but sure. the majority of the film, for us, mm. she's makeup free. I wouldn't say free, she's always got the lip. 
I think. Does she? I think so, maybe. No, I'm not sure. Oh, no, no. You're right, no. I think she is free when she's, like, ill. But yeah, when she's yeah, in public. Cause, yeah, because yeah. that's what we see. Like, sure. The viewer, most of the time. Sure, sure. No, you're right. Okay, she is. But, yeah, yeah, the men are absolutely... Yeah, they're drag queens in this movie. Mm. It's fantastic. Like, Nicholas Holt's wig, it's not just even a wig, it's like a construction. It's like a piece of clothing. It is, because it goes... <laughs> there's a few shots from behind, and it's like... It goes so far over his head. Mm-hmm. It must have been so hard to walk in. Mm. Yeah, fantastic wigs. And Nicholas Holt, I really enjoyed in this film. Like, it's a small role, but... Well, smallish role. Mm. I just loved how pantomime it was. Mm. Like, it was so... He was being so camp with it. Yeah. It yeah, it was. Great. You could tell he was having a good time. So tell me about Lady Marlborough, Godolphin, the Queen. Anything going on? I love gossip. It's a failing, I know. Lady Marlborough has been good to me. She saved me. I will not breach her confidence. Of course. You are in favour. But favour is a breeze that shifts direction all the time. Then, in an instant, you're back sleeping with a bunch of scabrous whores wondering whose finger's in your ass. Well, at this point, uh, Rachel Weisz tries to get rid of Emma Stone. She mm. like, fully starts trying to get her out of the palace. And so Emma Stone... Um, poisons her. Poisons her. Yeah, that's it. She poisons yeah, she, her she, tea. She poisons her tea. And for whatever reason, Rachel Weisz's reaction to this is to, you know what, I'm going to go and ride my horse. Well, I think, she, I think Emma Stone poisons her knowing that she's due to ride her horse beforehand. And the hit poison uh, hits right, her right. while she's riding, hence she falls off her horse. Sure. She wakes up. She, she's not dead. She wakes up in a brothel. Mm-hmm. Like she's, been, she's been found on the streets or on the road yeah. um, and taken in. But she, it means that she's away from the palace. She has to recuperate for a while because she's, she's very ill. Yes. While she's away... Olivia Coleman discusses sending out riders to go and find her, or somebody, discuss, I think Nicholas Holt maybe, mm. and Olivia Coleman says, no, she's trying to vex me. Don't, don't, don't do this, Lily. Yeah. That's what she wants us to do. Yes, because she's been falling out with Rachel Weisz because mm. of Emma Stone's character for yeah. a while. She thinks that Rachel Weisz's character has disappeared deliberately just to try and, like, make her feel bad. Yeah. But it backfired. Well, it doesn't backfire because that wasn't Rachel Weisz's plan. But no. yeah, it means that she just gets even closer to Emma Stone mm. and she's like, no, she'll turn up on her own time. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not concerned about this. Mm. Uh, and so that, that gives an opportunity for Emma Stone to fully ingratiate herself. Mm-hmm. And out of kind of spite, I guess, towards um, Rachel Weisz, Olivia Colman's character lets Emma Stone marry the bland, rich guy. Yeah. And so now she's a lady. Now she's a lady. So now yeah. she's she's secure. She's got money. She's an aristocrat. Like um, two thousand pounds a month or yeah, something so like that. She's yeah, and she's fully in the. She gets promoted to like lady of the treasury or something. Mm-hmm. So she's fully powerful at this point. Mm-hmm. So she's 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 done it. She's climbed to the top. Everything yeah. she wants to do, she's done. Yeah. Rachel Weisz comes back, mm-hmm. realizes that she's fully been deposed. Mm-hmm. Massively, fabulously bitch slaps Emma Stone twice. Mm-hmm. I love a double bitch slap. Yeah, but it's too late. Yeah, I almost never see it coming. Yeah. It's the thing, like, you have the one bit of slap, like, oh, that must have hurt, and then the second one comes, and like, damn. The second one's always, yeah. She meant that. Yeah. Uh, so, in a last-ditch attempt to reclaim her power, Rachel Weisz gives the Queen an ultimatum. She's like, you need to cast this character, Emma Stone, out of your house, mm-hmm. out of the palace, or I will reveal all. I will tell everyone that me and you have had this relationship this mm-hmm. whole time. And uh, this hugely backfires. Mm. The Queen basically banishes her, mm-hmm. casts her out of the house, mm-hmm. of, of the palace, casts her out of all things. Emma Stone again opportunistically jumps in and manages to frame her for embezzling riches, emba- yeah. embezzling money. And Rachel Weisz is basically cast away. Uh, we have a really fantastic scene where she makes a last, last, last effort to mm. kind of beg for... not. She never begs for forgiveness. She's find, too proud. But I find this really sad and sweet. It was. It was great. Well, yeah. I thought... I think this. I think I talked about this when we first reviewed this film in the cinema. I think more than anything, this is a really interesting film about how friendships work. Mm-hmm. Because the whole dynamic is that, like, what I'm, what Rachel Weisz's character says is, she says, like, look, if you want me to be like Emma, like Abigail, like Emma Stone's character, mm. I can't do it. I can't be the person who tells you everything you want to hear yeah. and just flatters you and is nice to you all the time. I'll never do that. I will never lie to you. I'll tell you what you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, and that is true love. That is true friendship, and I, I thought that was a really interesting like take on how friend, how a lot of friendships work, and and it does, and the fact that Olivia Coleman isn't able to hear it and like kind of cast her out and ends up with the false friend instead. Yeah, it was really really yeah hard hitting. Yeah. yeah. Abigail has done this. She does not love you, because how could anyone? She wants nothing from me, unlike you. She wants nothing from you, and yet somehow she is a lady with 2,000 a year, and Harley sits on your knee most nights. I wish you could love me as she does. You wish me to lie to you? 
Oh, you look like a, a, an angel fell from heaven, your majesty. No, sometimes you look like a badger. And you can rely on me to tell you. Why? Because I will not lie. That is love. Yeah, then it pretty much finishes with Emma Stone has... Uh, well, she's got well, everything she, she, she she's got every, Yeah, she's got everything she wants. But she's not happy. And she's totally unhappy with yeah, it. Yeah, because she doesn't and actually... She, and, and, she, and she's now just stuck with this queen that, yeah. she, that she doesn't love mm. at all. But she kind of has to. Yeah. Well, that's it, because Rachel... And Weiss... Olivia Colman's not happy either. No, nobody's happy, which is... No. In, yeah, because Rachel Weisz was thriving. Like, she genuinely loved the Queen. Mm. And also, being... She was interested in... Pow- like, she was powerful, and she she had everything. Whereas, at, at no point do we get any sense that Emma Stone's character has any interest in actually running the country. She just mm. wanted to be powerful. Yeah. But now she's got to the top. She's stuck with this woman she doesn't actually give a shit about mm-hmm. at all. And you can tell that. And she's just trapped. And so she, she becomes a bit of a drunken mess. Mm-hmm. She, she gets drunk at a party. She doesn't give a shit about her husband, clearly. She throws up into a vase. Mm. The queen does not care. Does not care. Like yeah. that is not their relationship. She's yeah. not there. She's the needy one. She's not the supportive one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the end scene we see uh, Emma Stone is kind of stuck in the queen's parlors in her bedroom, and she's abusing one of the rabbits. Mm. Um, she's like treading down on the rabbits, mm-hmm. and the queen notices, and she realizes that. I think that's the moment when all it all falls into place. She's like, "Oh, this person's completely false." Yeah. And then we see her like take that in, and then she like f- dramatically falls out of the bed, mm-hmm. and then demands that she massage her legs. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with this really cool like distorted scene where Emma Stone's forced to like massage Olivia Coleman's legs, mm-hmm. and then Olivia Coleman like presses down on her head and like really subjugates her. Mm-hmm. And you see these like long lingering close-ups on both of their faces, and you see both of them like realize what they're trapped in. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Basically, Rachel Weisz won. <laughs> like, like oh. she's not the most happy because I know she lo- she genuinely lost thought, her friend. But, yeah, I mean, every, and lost her position. Everybody lost. Everybody lost, but she probably lost the least because she at least got out. Yeah. All right. Drinking games. Drinking games. Let's go for it. Yeah. Sure. So first one I've got here is drink whenever you see a rabbit or a pigeon or a duck. Yeah, I had the same drink for animals. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, the the bunnies, the ducks are maybe the the best though. So funny. They're used for such great comedy as well. Yeah, I mean the racing scene. Is great. It's, 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 it's one thing, but just just them I, holding them. I yeah. think I think it's afterwards when Nicholas Holt and Mark Gattis are sitting there, and Mark Gattis has got a duck on his lap, and yes, and that's Nicholas the Holt is like, must the duck be here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's like a whole scene goes by. I don't know how they trained that duck. Uh, yeah, well, like, I've never known a duck. I mean, I've never known a duck that was that passive. Maybe you can get trained ducks. I think you probably can because you get like you get them in farmer shows. You've seen Babe. Yeah, like, I'm sure, but I just assumed it was a CGI duck, but sure. Nah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, just the fact that this entire conversation happened. No, no, I, I, I mean, like, you know how they have shows where, like, the sheep have to, you know, walk through certain gates and sure. do little stuff like so that. they have that they, with they, ducks they, as well? Yeah, you can do that with ducks. God, you're such a farm boy. I had no idea. <laughs> I've never seen that happen with ducks. Yeah, yeah. All right. With, like, the dogs shepherding them? Uh, I don't know how they do it. There's not okay. dogs involved. Okay. I don't know how it's done. Okay, <laughs> but, it's, but it happens. I want to see one of those shows. Yeah, it's fascinating. Okay. I mean, I there's people at various different points being like, "Do you want a treat?" You yeah. know, I, I have no idea. I feel like you're backtracking. I don't know. All right, I don't know. All I'm saying is that it is a thing. Sure, you, you, you can train a duck. I'm not sure. If I you believe can, you. I'm not sure if you can train a duck to be like sit, but you know, you could probably get it in the right mood and get it to sit still for a bit. Sure. Okay, yeah. Well, it was a very passive dog. But yeah. I just loved it. It was in this guy's lap for the entire scene. Yeah. It was really funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> I like just how somebody would say something quite astounding. There'd be a little silence and there'd be a little quack. <laughs> yes, they were always there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just hilarious. It was. It really tickled me too. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So my first one is drink every time Abigail is a manipulative bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Just every time you can see the cogs wearing. And this is such a great performance by Emma Stone because mm. she starts out as like, you think she might be like the heroine of this film. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, she's very, she seems very innocent and she takes a lot of abuse and you feel bad for her, obviously. But then as the film goes on, you realise that she is completely manipulative and incredibly opportunistic. And it's just the way she does it without really 
without saying anything, you, you can just see the cogs and you see it behind her eyes, that kind mm-hmm. of thing, that kind of real, like, she's always looking for an opportunity to ingratiate herself and, mm-hmm. and that she doesn't care about anyone but herself. Yeah. Whereas, obviously, Rachel Vice could be seen as the villain of the film initially, mm-hmm. but then you realise that she actually is coming from, even though she's very arrogant, mm-hmm. she's coming from a very genuine place. I, I love that dynamic and how it changes over the course of the film. It's yeah. very, very interesting, so. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, feel free to bleep this, but uh, drunk whenever somebody says cunt, Sure. I'm not going to bleep that. I love, that's great. You, you love cunt. I mean, not in the most <laughs> obvious you, sense. What you nearly said. I love the word. <laughs> you're, you're straight. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> 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 you're straight. Oh, you, you got me, Harry. Oh, you, you inned me. <laughs> yeah. No, I like the word when it's not used to be offensive towards women. It's It's... It's fantastically a fantastically well used in this. Film. It's a fantastic word when it's a, when it's deployed appropriately. And in yeah, this I, yeah. So. This, I feel this film is perfect for use of that word. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's said in just such a sassy yet tasteful way. <laughs> sassy yet tasteful cunt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best cunt. <laughs> well, yeah. I think that's a good point. To, unless you've got more, that's a good point to end it on. Unless have you got some more? Um, I've got. Uh, well, I've got a few here. I've got a drink for fisheye lenses. Oh, yes. I mean, it's, yeah, pretty constant. Yeah, it? drink for innuendo. Sure. Any any favourites? Um, Nicholas Holtz uh, wanking his cane. Um, oh, yes. In, in in Parliament, just as a way to kind of off-put the, the opposition. Oh, that was good. I did like yeah, that. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, also, I guess you could drink for nudity as well. Oh, yeah. There's a fair bit. I mean, obviously, you know, naked guy getting pomegranates thrown mm-hmm. him. Also, Emma Stone is naked. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that didn't pass you by. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. Yeah. Sure. Well, mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Great. Uh, <laughs> I'll ask no follow-up questions. <laughs> Must the duck be here? Fastest duck in the city. Horatio is a prize worth stealing. He does not leave my side. Keep him away from me, or I will pull his liver out and eat it with a cornichon. Oh, charming. Great, okay, so with any, without any further ado, before we get to our sequels, so with some further ado... Yeah, uh, plenty of further ado. <laughs> um, listeners, if you've enjoyed this episode, then um, you might feel like you want to, you know, say thank you to me and John. There's a great way you can do that. You can I love go- how passive-aggressive this Patreon bit's getting over the coming weeks. So. <laughs> I try to vary it each week. Okay, sure. um, if you do want to say thank you to us, um, <laughs> you know, it's fine if you don't, you know. It's, you know, it's not for everybody, but, you, you know, about an hour into this episode, you might have enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you have, then maybe consider going to patreon.com slash beyondtheboxset, where you can donate as much or as little as you think we're worth. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do, you get a few bonus features. You get a bonus show where we do film reviews. Uh, we're currently in the middle of our Oscar season, so... Yes. Uh, well, in fact, this episode's coming out a couple of days before the Oscars, so... This is technically the end of our Oscar season, yeah. Yeah, so that means we've got a great back catalogue of all the Oscar films that are being nominated this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have a few more coming out after this episode as well. And then, you know, after that, we release film views about every week. Just, yeah. We go to the cinema after every episode we record, so, you know. Yeah. Got about Lots of good stuff coming up. In the next, even after the Oscar season, there's good stuff. There's a new Christopher Nolan film coming out not too, in not mm-hmm. too distant future. What are, what are you looking forward to? I'm trying to think what else is coming out. That, really. Uh, oh, Birds of Prey. I mean, that's going to be worth talking about. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. No, I saw a trailer for that before. Bombshell and yikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It looked like Widows yeah. with much more eyeliner. Yeah. Oh, God, it did, yeah. Mm. Yeah, um, Sonic's coming out soon yeah. as well. It's weird how we've gone from the Oscar season to, to like Sonic the, the Hedgehog to the complete opposite. Well, we're gonna that's always so, Sonic and Birds of Prey. Yeah. Well, that's it. Post Oscar season, it's always we're all like between the Oscars and like summer when all the blockbusters come out is when all the crap comes mm. out, and I actually kind of love that time as well. So oh, yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog is part of that definitely. Yeah, and then of course everything through the year as well, which yes. should be good. Uh, also, if you come to Patreon, you get to put a 30 second advert slot on our main show mm-hmm. uh, w- once per Patreon per month. Yeah. Um, talk about anything you want, your own your own podcast, your own business, whatever you feel like talking about, it's your time. And also, once a month, we do our Patreon episode where we pick a Patreon and they pick a film for us. Mm-hmm. You can guest on it if you want to. You don't have to, though, but you can pick any film you want, really. Yeah. And yeah. Other than, you know, a few other little things. You get extended episodes. Extended episodes. You get access to our exclusive Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it, And also a great sense of... Well-being and achievement, yes. Yeah. You know, you've done a good deed. Yeah. You've given Harry and John some money. And we will love you forever. Yeah. Well, you know, we're saving up for a a studio, maybe. Yeah. Um, That's what I'd like to save up for. Sure. 
Well, it takes us to such events as Pods Up North, where our last episode came from. Yeah. Where next year we may even be presenting. So, you know, it really does measurably help us to do interesting things that help the podcast to grow. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Anyway, so all that's available at patreon.com slash beyond the box set. Indeed. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Now. Sequels? First sequel, yeah. Um, I'll go first. Uh, no, I'll no, go second. Normally I go first. I mean, if oh, you want so, to go first. No, no, but... no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I'll go mixed up. Okay, cool. All right, what have you got for me? So, okay. My sequel this week is a little bit of a history lesson. Mm-hmm. So basically, I was thinking about this film, and I was like, this film really lands in the middle to middle to end of Queen Anne's life, basically. Mm-hmm. It really just slaps you <clears throat> right into the middle of the situation. Yeah. And, and obviously establishes that this relationship already exists with Sarah Churchill, who is mm-hmm. Rachel Weisz's character. I was like, I bet there's some really interesting backstory about this. Turns out, holy shit, there is. <laughs> so basically, my sequel is a prequel, mm-hmm. and it's going to take a look at the early years of Queen Anne and... Sarah Churchill, okay. and how they became friends, and that how that relationship developed. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's it's some really interesting shit. Mm. I really enjoyed re- researching this episode. <laughs> so, first of all, obviously, it, because it's a prequel, we're going to go back to like their youth, their respective youths. So, I think we need to cast a young a, a, a Olivia Coleman's going to be too old. So, we need a young Olivia Coleman. Well, who played um, Queen Elizabeth in The Crown? I was just going to say, the obvious answer would be uh, Claire Foy. Yeah. That could work. I have made a different choice. Mm. Having enjoyed this particular actress in a lot of things this year, but Mm. most recently in Little Wynn, I thought uh, it would be a very good choice to play a young Olivia Colman. Might be Florence Pugh. I thought you'd say her, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think she could do it really, really well. Mm -hmm. She's one of my favourite new, like, breakout stars of this year. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and there's going to be sort of a casting that we'll discuss as we go along. Mm. So this is this is all based on actual history. So uh, it's really fascinating to me. I, don't, I love history. So we open with young Princess Anne, who's going to be played, maybe played by a child at first, but we'll eventually move up to Florence sure. when, when it's appropriate. Sure. So Queen Anne, Princess Anne at the time, she was, at, from an early age, she struggled with ill health. She always had health problems, even as a child. So, you know, mm. that was always a thing for her. She was always a little bit... Um, kept away from the, from society because she, she never was right. able to, which obviously fed into her characterization. And also, she was never supposed to be the queen. Right. She was never expected to be the queen. Because first of all, women were not, I mean, until quite recently, I don't, I don't even know if they changed it yet. I think they have, but maybe they haven't. I think they have. Like, it was always like the nearest male there. Mm-hmm. So her father was King James II. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, her father was James II. Her mother died when she was just six years old. Mm-hmm. So instantly there's a bit of tragedy back there. Yeah. Her father had no living sons, but she did have an older sister mm-hmm. who was called Mary. Right. Who married uh, a Dutch prince called William of Orange. Mm-hmm. And so they became the joint heirs to the throne. So mm-hmm. at no point was Anne ever expected to, to get to the throne because it was expected mm-hmm. that her father would have a son or that her older sister and her husband would have a son. Like She mm-hmm. was never, ever, ever expected to be... The queen of the country. Yeah. At this point. Sure. Also, as was the tradition at the time, she for, for a lot of her childhood, she was sent to live in France with a noble family who were not her parents. Mm-hmm. Well, her mother was dead, obviously. So she was sent to stay with Lord and Lady Villiers in Paris for, mm-hmm. sev- for most of her childhood. Uh, and I was thinking this could be like the formative years kind of montage, maybe, about how she mm-hmm. kind of grows up and stuff. So I was thinking who could be the perfect choice to play like an older matriarch who mm-hmm. like raises Queen Anne? Maybe who like a wicked stepmother kind of character. Oh, I mean, I have an answer, but you go first. Um. Oh no, I can't think of anybody, but I know your answer is going to be good. Yeah. Well, the obvious answer is Glenn Close. Ah, sure. She's already yeah. played like a royal lady in, uh, or an aristocratic lady mm-hmm. in Dangerous Liaison, mm-hmm. 
uh, your favorite film that we've ever done on this podcast. Yeah. But also, of course, Olivia Colman beat her to the Oscar. Oh yeah, of course. So that would be a perfect <laughs> opportunity. I like the idea of her playing like a wicked stepmother, like mm-hmm. you know, in a, in the French court in the seventeenth century. Yeah. So pretty much, it could even be the character she played in Dangerous Liaisons. We could just ch- move the timeline around a little bit, and it's actually the same woman. Sure, yeah, is looking after works. the future queen of England, but not knowing it. Mm. Like, yeah, so she's a wicked stepmother who just treats her like shit. Mm. You know, they don't get along. Poor Queen Anne spends a lot of time in her room. You know, developing her personality. Yeah, but also. It was at this point, back in history, it was at this point that uh, Queen Anne became friends with Lady Sarah Churchill, mm-hmm. who would obviously go on to be the Rachel Vice character. Mm-hmm. So imagine Glenn Close is playing her wicked stepmother, but Glenn Close's daughter becomes Queen Anne's, or Princess Anne at this point's, like, closest friend and confidant. Yeah. So that's the relationship. So we see them meeting, they get along. Maybe, she, maybe the Sarah Churchill character is always... A lot more confident, a lot more outgoing, a lot more suited to like being in in a position of authority, mm-hmm. and the two girls just become tight, tight friends, mm. and maybe a little more, but maybe that's later. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Eventually, Queen Anne was married off to a Danish prince called uh, Prince George, mm-hmm. and actually, despite her um, you know lesbian proclivities later on, apparently by all accounts, she truly loved him. Yeah. They had a truly happy marriage. Sure, but she was also shagging Sarah on the side. Yeah, that's what history believes. So oh, okay, but, you know. In, in that, in many ways, a very modern relationship. Maybe yeah. it was like a whole open relationship situation. Yeah. A thruple. <laughs> I like that idea. So yeah, so she marries this Danish prince. Still, nobody thinks she's ever going to be queen. She's just like a minor royal floating around with lots of money, you know, yeah. just yeah. doing her thing. Anyway, at a certain point, as I mentioned, her mother is dead. Her father remarried mm-hmm. to an Italian princess called Mary of Medina, mm-hmm. who was 15 years old. Ooh. At the time, that was not that controversial, but obviously now it is. Yeah. So imagine, like, that's got to be traumatic. Mm-hmm. Her father's remarried, like, a child. Mm-hmm. Also, Mary of Medina was a Catholic, mm. whereas the royal family at the time were Protestant, which was hugely controversial. Yeah, right. And King James actually converted to Catholicism because yeah. he was so in love with his wife, his new child bride. Mm. Princess Anne did not convert to Catholicism. She was very much against that. She was a devout Protestant, and it caused a huge rift between her and her father. Mm. So much so that at one point she suspected her new mother-in-law, who, let's not forget, was a child, mm-hmm. of faking a pregnancy. Wow. Yeah, this is truly, okay. this is a genuine moment in history. She mm. suspected, there's no backup whether this is true or not. At some point, her mother-in-law claimed to be pregnant. This is madness. I know, this, this is, is all crazy. This is why history is better than anything we could come up with. Yeah. So her mother-in-law, who was a child, oh, claimed... yourself. Claims to well, see what we'll see. Yeah, your be much better. Yeah. But <laughs> claimed to be pregnant and gave birth to a boy mm. who would have, super, you know, in the line of succession. Wait, is that still claimed? No, no, she did give birth to a boy. All right, okay. Who would have superseded mm. Queen Anne, uh, mm-hmm. Princess Anne, and her older sister as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Queen Anne suspected for a long time that, and it was never confirmed either way that it was a fake pregnancy, and they just like drafted in, they bought a baby basically to keep the line of succession right. Catholic, because otherwise it would have gone back to Protestantism mm. with, with the two sisters. Yeah. So, I think the kid died young or... I know. Oh, good, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But it was a real scandal. Mm. But anyway, at a certain point... That's good gossip. That's great gossip, yeah. yeah. Anyway, at a certain point after this happens, her sister, Mary, Mm. her Dutch husband, William of Orange, invades England Mm -hmm. and deposes her father, King James. All right. So, she's caught between her father and her older sister... Mm. They're literally at war. Mm. And she sides with her older sister because mm-hmm. they're both Protestants. Yeah. So her father's been deposed. Mm-hmm. Her sister and brother-in-law are trying to take the throne. Mm-hmm. For all of this, her best friend, Sarah Churchill, yeah. is advising her, telling her what to do and helping her to make the right decisions. So much so that her father, King James, tried to have Sarah- Lady Sarah Churchill arrested. Mm. So the two of them, Lady Sarah and Queen Anne, or Princess Anne at this point, had to flee from the palace mm through a back door, (laughs) genuinely, this actually happened, Mm. and go into hiding. How long? For several weeks. She didn't see her husband for, like, weeks because she was Mm. in hiding. Her husband sided with her, but she had to flee in the night and, like, not tell him. So So she separated for several weeks until eventually uh, the revolution died down when her her brother-in-law won and her father actually fled to France. Mm. And she never saw her father again because she obviously was completely estranged from him at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. So then William, her brother-in-law, and, her si- and Mary, her sister, are crowned joint king and queen of England. Mm-hmm. The only time there's been a joint king and queen who have equal power. Oh, right. Well, I mean, the king obviously had more power. It was like Mary had was 
the successor because mm. she was the oldest living sibling. Mm-hmm. But because she'd married a man, he became the king. Uh, was that? She should have married a woman. That's what you say. So yeah, exactly. But like, was now obviously when Queen Elizabeth, our current queen, mm. married Prince Philip. Mm. I think things have changed, so he was now, he's now been King Philip, mm. whereas this guy was King William. So it was literally King William and Queen Mary. Did um, Elizabeth II, did she marry Philip after she was queen? No. Oh, right. Okay. okay. No, it's just the, the laws had changed. And also he was, uh, William was a, a royal a member of the Dutch royal family, mm. whereas I don't think Prince Philip was ever royal before he married. Right, okay. That might be wrong, though, I don't know. Mm. But for whatever reason, yeah, they were joint king and queen. Royalty's weird. It's very complicated. Like, I, th- I think I just about understand like how you you become prime minister, but yeah, how you become the monarch. You be, you are the son or oldest daughter of the previous one. That's pretty much it. Yeah, but like you know, if not, then like there's. Oh yeah, it gets very complex. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of religions involved as well. Yeah. So yeah, so her father flees to France. Mm-hmm. Her brother-in-law and sister become king and queen. Mm-hmm. For all of this, she's supported her sister one hundred percent. To her own detriments in many um, in many occasions. But now, now that her sister is the queen, they become estranged. They have a huge falling out. Yeah, right. Because her sister and brother-in-law, they deny her any kind of rights, basically. They, they, they mm. don't allow her an, an independence allowance. They don't let her have her own palace. They treat her like shit, basically, because they want her to... We, they want her to, like, stay loyal. But mm. they decide to do that by treating her like shit, rather than, like, being nice to her. That's how I felt when my parents denied me my own palace as well. You were like, well, I'm going to treat them like shit. Yeah, it was a hard time for everybody. It, it is, you know, it's always difficult. But eventually they gave in. Yeah. Well, as you'll discover, saving up for Anne. Yeah, great. You and Anne, very close. <laughs> yeah. Very similar in so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she becomes estranged from her sister, who limits her income and, order, and also orders her to dismiss Lady Sarah Churchill, mm-hmm. who she doesn't like, because mm. she feels like Sarah Churchill... You know, might have too much influence over her sister. Mm-hmm. Maybe she suspected the lesbianism. We don't know. History hasn't recorded it. Mm-hmm. But she basically told her, look, look, sister, if you want any kind of influence in the royal family, this bitch got to go. Yep. She's got to be out. Yep. And Lady Princess Anne sided with Sarah Churchill. Mm-hmm. She sided with her lesbian lover over her sister oh. and lost all her royal privileges in the process. So okay. that is a big Boss move. All right, so get to it. How does she get the throne then? Okay, I'll, okay, I'll wrap it up. Okay, <clears throat> so much cool, cool stuff there. <laughs> so, so she sides with Sarah, and she does this massive, rebellious, incredible fuck you. Mm. Where so Sarah Churchill has been cast out of court, but mm-hmm. Lady Anne continued to support her. So, as a massive fuck you to her sister and brother-in-law, Princess Anne turns up at a royal party mm-hmm. with. Sarah Churchill as her plus one. Ah, okay. They literally walk into a party hand in hand. Well, and the Queen and the King are like, bitch, no. <laughs> they are furious. Yeah. And she loses all privileges. Her and her sister never speak again. Mm-hmm. She is cast out. She has to live in like a side palace or something. Sure. Oh, no. I know. It's all, it's, it's so, so hard. So hard. I hated living in my side palace. <laughs> and yeah, so Sarah Churchill is also banished. Princess Anne's Husband loses all privileges. Mm-hmm. It's a mess. And also all of her friends who were banned from ever visiting her ever again. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she's completely sidelined. Mm. Soon afterwards, though, her sister dies of smallpox. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yay! Great. Yeah. great. And her brother-in-law now becomes sole king. Mm-hmm. Because he's still alive. So he's, he's now just the, the king on, on his own. Yeah. But because her sister died without having a son, mm. Anne is now next in line to the throne. Mm-hmm. So after the, the, the brother-in-law. After the brother-in-law. So yeah. when the brother-in-law dies, she's going to be queen. Yeah. And that creates a massive political problem because mm-hmm. they've got this huge estrangement. Mm-hmm. So the brother-in-law, King William of Orange, is forced to publicly reconcile with, with Anne. Mm-hmm. So even though they detest each other in real life, they reconcile for the public mm-hmm. because he knows that she will become... Now Now she will become the queen. Because, Unless he has kids, though, surely? No, because he was never in line for the English throne. It's very complicated oh, because he's right, not okay. British. If he'd had children with Queen Mary, mm. that child would have been next in line. Mm. But now that the the daughter of the British royal mm-hmm. line of succession has died, if he remarries, that kid will not be as the English friend. All oh, right. It's yeah, it's crazy, but mm. this is how it works. So he has to like reconcile with Anne. Also, while all this is happening, she's had seventeen miscarriages in seventeen years. Like, like during this time. During this time. Wow. She had all of her miscarriages before she became queen. Bloody so she's hell. dealing with all this shit. 17 is unreal. She had 17 miscarriages. Or she like, had 17 kids in 17 years. And It's a wonder she's not more crazy than she I is. I know, right? Yeah. 
It's nuts. Mm. So yeah, so William is forced to publicly reconcile with her mm. and restores all of her honours and privileges. So now mm-hmm. she's got money, she's got a palace, she's living at large. Oh, great. So she has one child, Prince William, mm. who lives to the age of 11, mm-hmm. and then he dies of smallpox. Oh. And people say that this is the thing that truly broke her. Like, yeah. she's already had a oh, shit life. Man. But this kid dying, like, the actual, the one survivor. Because that's not like a, a genetic thing or anything like that. It's nothing to do with her. It's just, that was a disease. Oh, no, most people died of disease. This is before, like, penicillin. This is before, like, oh, most... yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know, but it's not like, like, all the other ones dying, basically, I, I'm assuming, because of stuff inherited from her. Yeah, probably. It's <clears> never <throat> been clear why she had so many miscarriages. Mm. But, yeah, there's definitely some kind of medical issues happening. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of historians basically say, you know, as, as traumatic as everything else was, when her 11-year-old kid died, that mm. was when she truly went... Well, insane is uh, not a right word. This is when she truly started... When, she, when, it, when it broke her? When, when this, she this is broke. What, yeah, this is what broke her completely. This is when she yeah. truly started to really have a lot of mental health issues. Yeah. Understandably so. Jesus. God, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she loses all this happens before she's even the queen. Yeah. Like, all of her kids died before she was the queen. So yeah, she loses her 11-year-old son... Completely breaks her heart. Then her brother-in-law mm. dies of a broken neck after his horse trips over a molehill. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Oh. Her brother-in-law. That's, that's a very upper-class way to yeah. go. Her brother-in-law is riding a horse. It trips over a molehill. He falls off the horse, breaks his neck, dead. Boom! She's the queen. How was the horse? The horse survived. Okay, cool. The horse was joking. He was a very unpopular king. He was super unpopular because yeah. I, I think he... With t- horses. No, with people as well. Like, I think it's... Because he was Dutch, he wasn't really British. Also, right, he, like, yeah, yeah. was involved in a lot of... Ta- you know, the people hated him. He was never mm. a popular king. So the horse was knighted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jokingly, not officially, well, but... Well, like, wait, sorry, seriously now? No, I'm being serious, yeah. Oh, right, okay. The people... I thought you were making this up. No, 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 the people called that horse like sir whatever it was like they that horse was like a, a national hero for killing After the, it killed the king for for, for, for for killing a very unpopular king yeah wow yeah wow so then she becomes the queen <clears throat> yeah right, you know, this is something she's never expected but now she is the queen mm-hmm. and weirdly enough she's super popular mm. because she is actually english through and through mm-hmm. like he's who's he was this weird dutch guy who married in she was english and she'd always sided with you know Protestantism, which was the predominant mm-hmm. faith. So when she comes to the throne, she is like Elvis, mm. or you know, she is hugely popular. Well, I guess that, like, imagine this: Donald Trump becomes Prime Minister of Britain. Mm-hmm. Whoever follows that, exactly. Yeah, it's like she's following an unpopular person. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she's the daughter of a king. You know, she she's yeah, she's hugely popular. Lady Sarah is still her BFF mm-hmm. and closest confidant, and at this point. The queen's health really starts. She's always had bad health, but now you know, with, with her having lost all these children, mm. she's also getting older. She's really struggling with her health. Like she has terrible mm-hmm. gout, which was a disease at the time, which caused yeah, that was the swelling of the legs and all that kind of stuff. So she was pretty much an invalid for a lot of her time. Most of her time as queen, she was basically an invalid. Mm-hmm. And this is when uh, Lady Sarah was re- really stepped in and started ruling the country on her behalf. Mm. Here's a cool fact: Queen Anne. Maybe led by Sarah Churchill, or maybe on her own, because this is very early on. She played a key role in the creation of the United Kingdom. Because when she acceded to the throne, she was the queen of Great Britain, which was England, Wales, maybe Ireland? Maybe not. England and Wales, definitely. Mm. I don't know about Ireland. But not Scotland, crucially. It was Ireland as well. Yeah, It was, okay. Yeah, There you go. So Scotland at this point was still an independent kingdom of its its own. So Queen Anne was very, very keen on Scotland uniting with... The rest, England, of the, UK. the rest of the UK, whatever yeah. that was at that point. Yeah. And she oversaw that and she oversaw the Act of Unity, the Act of Union. So she became the first ever monarch who was the, actually the Queen of the United Kingdom. All right. Hugely. Never gets enough credit for that. Yeah. Yeah. So she was effectively the Queen that created the United Kingdom. Hmm. So she's Queen now. At this point, her husband becomes seriously ill mm-hmm. and uh, ultimately dies. And uh, apparently, despite her lesbianism or whatever, maybe bisexuality, who knows, mm. she was incredibly devoted and she was by his side day and night and she was truly devastated by his death. Mm. Well, I, I mean, I'm assuming bisexuality over lesbianism. Probably, yeah. I think she was probably bisexual. 17 yeah. pregnancies. Yeah, there's something's going on. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. She's, yeah, she's very sad. And again, you know, this is throws into even more total grief. And I think this is a good ending to this film. Mm. So her husband dies, she's grief-stricken, and apparently Sarah Churchill, 
moved into the palaces mm. and took down every portrait of her husband who just died mm-hmm. because she felt that it would not be healthy for her to like linger on grief by looking at him all the time. She mm. thought better just better to just like never think of him again, just, just move on. Yeah, she t- she takes down every portrait in the palace of her husband and then basically becomes her you know de facto wife. Mm. And I feel like that's where the film can end because it's basically mm. then leading into the favorite. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah. It's very good. Yeah. I like it. I mean, most of that was just reading from Wikipedia, but what a fantastic story. Yeah, that really did feel like a Do Go On episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I definitely, yeah, I didn't mean to, but I definitely went to Do Go On there, but yeah. Yeah, you did. Is there a title for that? I was thinking, I mean, there's lots of options. I was thinking The Favourite, The Other Sister, because she's like, mm-hmm. she was never expected to be the Queen, or The Favourite, Family Ties. Second in line. Blood Feud, yeah. Blood Se- Feud? Blood Feud's good. The Favourite to Blood Feud, yeah. Yeah. That, that might work. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I like that one. That's cool. good. Yeah, very good. Okay, thank you. All right, well, I've got one that is... uh, It's a bit simpler. It's a straight sequel. Okay. Um, It's called The Second Favourite. The Second Favourite, okay, sure. Let's go to the second film. It's the second favourite. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I like it, yeah. So, Queen Anne has died. Oh, no. No Olivia Colman. No Olivia Colman. She's gone. Okay. Sorry. This is about five years after. Okay. So, the palace is preparing to receive its new king. Emma Stone is now head of the council or whoever who are basically acting in place to the monarch until he arrives so emma stone's now running the country basically yeah okay interesting okay. yeah so she, i mean just there's to, been to, no king or queen for five years sorry i i, I told that a little differently five years later queen anne dies oh so we opened at her death y- yeah pretty much okay yeah. sure yeah right and there's a brief period between her dying and the king sure arriving basically yeah, that makes sense yeah, yeah. so chapter one Mm. Second cousins once removed. Is this also history based? Uh, a little bit. Okay. Only, the, a, only, only a little. It was the Hanovers, right? Yeah. So the day comes when the king arrives. Mm-hmm. Emma Stone has organised all the house staff first to get the palace spick and span. Sure. And then for everyone to line up outside to welcome the king to his new palace. Carriage pulls up and the king steps out, tripping little as he does so. Oh no! Watch out for those molehills. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is a German man called George. Yes. Played by Adrian Scarborough. Who's Adrian Scarborough? The guy who played Pete from Gavin and Stacey. Which one was Pete? The guy from 1917 as well. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, my Pete! Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it. Like it. Yeah. I'm on board. Yeah. yeah. He stands and looks at a large crowd of people quite sheepishly, and he takes a small, unconscious step backwards. Okay. So so he's a weak king, is what we're he, guessing. Yeah. yeah. He's not suited to this. No. Okay. No, I, I don't know what... King George was actually like, but... Uh, this this is, version, sure. Yeah. I, I, this is basically where my research finishes. Okay. I mean, okay. Sure, no, no, no. Take, take some liberties, that's fine. <clears throat> so Emma Stone marches up to him and introduces herself to him as Lady Abigail, the Royal Ambassador to Council. Mm-hmm. A title that she makes up on the spot. Great, of course. Yeah. Um, which causes a bit of a murmur amongst some of the politicians who were also there. Mm-hmm. King George quietly introduced himself as George... Uh, King George... Um, yeah. And she says, oh, welcome to Kensington, Your Majesty. We'll make you feel right at home here. She takes him round and introduces him to some of the top-level politicians, which I've, I've casted them for some reason, but they're no longer in the story after this. Sure, go for it. So politicians have changed in five years. Of course, of course, yeah. yeah. So Head of the Wigs is going to be Taryn Edgerton. Sure. What a great title, Head of Wigs. Yeah. <laughs> so we're getting Taryn Edgerton in for Nicholas Holt regalia. Oh, yeah. Full wig. Love yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. In a big grey wig. We know he can carry off a wig. Mm. <laughs> and then a big black wig, we've got uh, James McAvoy, who is head of the Tories. Great. Love it. But again, they're not in this no. very much just, at just, all. Just no. a cam- cameo appearance. Yeah, maybe, sure. I don't know. King George is also introduced to the various heads of the palace, like housekeeping and stuff like that. Sure. But, yeah. Emma Stone takes him on a tour of the palace while his possessions are brought to his bedroom. King George is shocked at the size of the place. Certainly bigger than the last place he had in Germany. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they eventually go to the bedroom, Emma Stone is taken aback a little because all the Queen's rabbits are back. Oh no! Well, have they been like assumed mm. dead or banished or what? They were taken away. Okay, so now they're back in the palace in mm. the in the bedroom. And she says, "I'm so sorry, sire, but somebody must have placed them here as some kind of prank." Mm. And he says, "Oh, you you must be mistaken, Abigail. These are my rabbits. Oh, when Anne died, I adopted them. They were her children." And she was my second cousin. So these are my second cousins, once removed. Oh, interesting. I bet Abigail doesn't like that. Emma Stone gives him a very perplexed look, just like, what are you? <laughs> 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 Chapter 2, A Spot of Supper. 
A spot of supper. Oh, I'm, I'm already nervous. A couple of weeks later, everybody is having a, is having dinner with, with the king at the head of the table. There is a knock on the front door of the palace from a hooded figure. A servant answers the door, and waiting there is a man played by Robert Pattinson. Okay. I'm here to see the king, the man says in a bad Welsh accent that I forgot to do. Try again. You can read it again. It wouldn't work. Okay. <laughs> it wouldn't work. So, I'm here to see the king, the man says, in a bad Welsh accent. Okay. I'm sorry, sir, but the king is eating, eating his dinner. Do you have an appointment? I do not need an appointment. I'm the king's Welsh ambassador. That was my first best attempt. I felt you were slipping yeah. gently into it. Yeah. No. Oh, pardon me, my lord. Please, uh, please, won't you come in and would you like a spot of supper? I'll, I'll, I'll tell the king you've arrived and ask if he would like to see you. And so, Rob Patterson is shown to a dining room and given a plate of supper. Later, Emma Stone walks in and she immediately takes a disliking to him. To Robert Pattinson? Yeah. Okay. She asks to see his credentials, just to see who he is, basically. And he pulls out a parchment from his coat pocket, containing his name and details of his role. And the seal of Queen Anne. Ah. She grumbles a reluctant acceptance and invites him to come and sit with the king. So that means that Queen Anne appointed him and he's still got those privileges? Basically, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. So is, is Emma Stone it, 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 still basically running the royal house? Pretty much. She's okay. the Rachel Weisz character of this film. Okay, I get it. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Like, she's basically in charge because King George is not that confident. No, he's just new to the role. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Rob Patterson follows her into another room where uh, King George is waiting for him. Your Highness, King George, may I present Lord... And then R. Pratt interrupts. Uh, my name is Llewellyn Taylor, Earl of Glyndore, Lord of Caerphilly, and... Welsh ambassador to the king at your humble service. Well, you enjoyed writing that, didn't you? I did, yeah. <laughs> um, so the point is, Emma Stone can't pronounce Welsh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, make, Why would she? Would just make a little joke of Welsh. Yeah, yeah, sure. Welsh is a great joke. Yeah. It is a national joke. <laughs> king George offers him a seat in an armchair next to him, and Emma Stone takes the other armchair. As the night goes on, they drink loads of whiskey, and the three of them they race ducks, they throw tangerines at James Corden. And, oh, actual James Corden. Uh, sure, and just generally have a good time. However, as the night goes on, Emma Stone starts to, well, carries on to like Robert Pattinson even less. Okay. She takes an absolute dislike mm. to him. Chapter three. Want to play and find out? Want to play. I like these. Want to play and find out. Yeah. I feel like these are getting increasingly sexual. Look on. <laughs> so he stays around for a few days mm-hmm. and gets closer to the king. Emma Stone even finds him sneaking about in her room one night, though he doesn't see her. So, as a show of power, basically, she quickly seduces the king, not for the first time, sure, and takes him back to her room. And before Robert Patterson has the who time... You, oh, who do you say was playing the king? Pete from Gavin and Stacey? Yeah. Oh, so, Pete from Gavin and Stacey gets a sex scene with Emma Stone. Okay, well, I loved it up. He's only five years older than Olivia Colman. No, no, I'm getting... It makes sense historically, just... Yeah, fine. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I know, it's a, little, it's a little bit weird, but, like... No, no, it's of the time, that's fine. It works. Yeah, sure. It's fine. Well, does it? I don't know. We're going. Yeah, and she basically has a sex scene with uh, with King George while Robert Patterson is still there, kind of watching. Emma Stone makes solid eye contact. So it's the a whole full thing. power play, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Just like... Like it. I know you're there. Yeah. And... I don't care. And this is what I'm doing. Mm, what like... You, what are you going to do about it? Like it. So the next day, the two of them go shooting. What? Well, uh, R. Patterson, Emma Stone? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And Emma Stone uh, tells him what uh, Rachel Weisz told her last time about how you can fire a gun without a pellet in it. Mm. And it will still sound exactly the same. And she also says that she has a terrible memory and might have forgotten if this gun that she's holding has a pellet in, or not, in it or not. And uh, she points at him and says, want to play and find out? <laughs> he says, sure. And he instantly raises a gun and shoots her. Oh, wow. She falls to the ground, but fine, she's not injured. So it's happened to her again. He played her at her own game. Nice. Because I was thinking, like, is this just a role reversal where she's become Rachel <clears throat> Vice? But no, she's still in her own, she's still in the weaker position. Mm, yeah. I like so, that. That's good. Yeah, that night, uh, Rob Patterson, he manages to get some alone time with the king while Emma Stone is as Rachel Vice. Is he going to fuck him too? While Emma Stone is meeting with Parliament. Okay. King George says his back is hurting, he needs to lie down. And he also says that as a king, he... He doesn't like it when people stand over him, so he'd command Robert Pattinson to lie down next to him. Have you written this as the sequel to The Favourite as gay porn? Sexy music plays and the camera swings around to show the rabbits in their cages. Oh, mm. I'm very proud of you right now. We hear the words, oh, well, that's a surprise. 
<laughs> okay, sure, yeah, that's natural dialogue for that moment. <laughs> Chapter four. He's mine. <laughs> Exclamation mark. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Emma Stone walks into the king's bedroom in the middle of the night and she sees Rob Patterson spooning King George. Okay. While making strict eye contact at her. Oh, okay. So the roles are truly reversed. Mm. She backs out, runs away down a corridor, swearing under her breath. Mm-hmm. She spends the rest of the day trying to suck up to the king, refer to him by his first name, and generally win him over from Rob Patterson. All the while, he's doing the same. Ah. So they're truly in competition at this point. Mm. So at one point, finally, when the king gets a bit of time away from them, mm-hmm. um, the two of them get uh, get into a fight. Okay. So did you just cast Pete from Gavin and Stacey because you thought he was the closest equivalent to like a male Olivia Coleman? Not just. I thought that he'd do really well just playing a guy called George who's very incompetent. Yeah, no, I like that completely. I just, it's, it's an interesting choice, but yeah, I get it. I, I had many other options in my head. I was thinking like, okay, who's Olivia Coleman acted against? Sure. You know, like say David Tennant. Sure. Or in Peep Show, like David Mitchell. David or, Mitchell, I could yeah. see it def- for this role. Like, I could definitely see David Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. as like an un- incompetent king. Yeah, but, uh, but I think you made a good choice. Uh, I, I like what I've done, and despite yeah. him being German, I like him to have a strong Essex accent. Sure, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just keep with it. Just basically, just be Pete from Gavin and Stacey. Absolutely. Yeah. He's missing his Dawn. Are we going? Yeah, is Dawn going to cameo in any in any way? I've not. I've not written her in in oh. any way. She's got to at least be like a chambermaid or something. <clears throat> just like maybe just a one scene. Okay. Well, right now that um, our two main characters are having a fight in the kitchen, maybe she could be the head chef. Great. Sure. Yeah. Something like that. Maybe she could. You know, trying to be. I don't know. Just like taking all the pots and pans out of the way while these yeah. two are fighting. Just around. a little cameo. That's all yeah. we need. Yeah. Anyway, so these two are having a fight in the kitchen. This is Emma Stone and Arpats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the physical fight, fight or yeah, yeah. Okay. And the fight gets more and more intense, but it's also at the same time played for solid laughs sure. where possible. He pulls her hair. She screams. <laughs> Instinctively, she does the same to him, but pulls his wig off. <gasps> no. I mean, by the way, this whole time he's dressed... He's in a full wig, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the standard wig and makeup and everything. Yeah, I, I assumed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, revealing his long, dark hair. Oh. Um, he kicks her down and tries to body slam her, but she rolls away. <laughs> she grabs him by the head and dunks his face in bathwater, drowning him a little. Then she lifts him out, lies him on the floor and starts to strangle him. But she notices that his makeup's now running off. The makeup reveals he has a big scar on his left cheek. It's Lady Sarah. <gasps> Robert Pattinson has been Lady Sarah Rachel Vice the ho- in a in a wig the entire time. As the makeup drifts off, it is. Oh now my Rachel god, Weiss. that is quite. A, so are we going to do like a, rev- a a weird reveal where like the makeup comes off and Robert Pattinson as an actor is literally replaced by Rachel Vice? Mm-hmm. Wow, I did not see that coming. <laughs> that is good. Yeah. Oh, wow. Pulled a twist on you. You Great. did. Anyway, Emma Stone lets go over and stands up in shock. Mm-hmm. Rachel Weisz cackles and gets up herself. She says that she'd better go and get herself ready. She's going to sleep with the king again tonight. <laughs> and they both rush off in different directions to go and repair their makeup. Sure. This really is a winner-takes-all situation. Mm-hmm. They both arrive in the king's quarters at the same time through different doors. Mm-hmm. And the king looks at them both. Both looking their sexiest. And says, it must be my lucky day. And as the original film finishes with a a weird fade into rabbits while Emma Stone rubs Queen Anne's legs, this one finishes with Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz or Robert Pattinson, which either one, competing to be the most sexy. While the screen fades into rabbits. Okay. I feel like this sequel pitch revealed a lot about your sexual fantasies. (laughs) (laughs) But sure, okay. Yeah. I, I'm into it. That's cool. Yeah. I'd say it basically finishes with an orgy that's very, very competitive. A very competitive. They're the best kind of orgies. Competitive orgies. <laughs> you don't want a relaxed orgy. You want an orgy that's like all to play for. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Who's the best? Who's going to win? Yeah. There's got to be a winner in an orgy. Yeah. Mm. And and several losers. You know. Yeah. It can't just be fun for everyone. <laughs> okay. No, I like it. Yeah. You did. You really freed me with that twist. Yeah. But I like it. Like Rachel Vice works her way back in by disguising herself as a man. That makes total sense. So. Mm. I really like that. I, I would I feel like it's it. the best way that she could like pull one over Emma and, yeah. and Stone. And if it was directed the way that this film was directed, with like a, a straight, a, quite a quirky director like Yorgos Lafimos, mm. I think it could actually they could pull it off completely. It could, it could really be just like a surreal mm-hmm. revenge thriller. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm really into that. I like that a lot. Has it got a title? Uh, yeah, the second favorite. The second favorite. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Love it. 
Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. I'm actually really proud of it. That is, that is a very good effort. Yeah. yeah. Well done. Well done. You truly surprised oh, me. Successfully did a twist. You did. No, that, <laughs> that really, yeah, that really, I did not see that coming. Yeah. Okay, well, that's that then. Should we do listen, listen submissions? Yeah. All right, well, my post didn't get authorized this week for a very unknown reason. Have you been banned out. from your group? No, just sometimes I make a post that doesn't get authorized. Okay. Yeah. So does that mean you have no listen submissions this week? Basically, yeah. Okay, well, fortunately, I do have some. Mm-hmm. First up, Joe Herman said, the second favourite, if they keep oh, going... Oh, come on. I know that's yours, but no, no, he, he <laughs> added to it, he added to it. If they keep going, they can eventually make it to the favourite. Number four. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then Dunkle Plafster added, and then eventually, the favour eight. <laughs> I'm up for that one. That's a real, that yeah. actually works, yeah. The favourite doesn't really work, but mm. the favour eight, that's good, mm-hmm. yeah. Over on Twitter, False Starts Podcast, at False Starts Pod, said, the people's favourites... It's just a day in the life of Olivia Coleman, who is my favourite and my queen. <laughs> uh, Cinema Adventure Pod. I mean, isn't she? Ever, she's like everyone's she, queen. Everyone she, loves Olivia she's Coleman. She's just so great. She is so likeable, yeah. Cinema Adventure Pod at Cinema Pod said, We meet up with the queen and learn that there is a secret society working in the shadows called the Assassins and Templars. Mm. Lady Sarah was an assassin and Abigail was a Templar and their mission was to get close to the Queen. Right. So it gives them both a whole backstory for wanting to infiltrate the palace. Yeah, I can believe that. That's pretty good. I like that a lot. Yeah, I can see that. It's like an action film. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was genius. At that underscore was underscore genius. Mm. Said, the second favourite, aka Lady in Waiting, Queen Anne accidentally strings along a hapless and ro- hopelessly romantic minor aristocrat for a series of wrongly addressed or hilariously misinterpreted and completely innocent letters. The poor lady then attempts to woo the Queen, who she's never actually met, and hilarity ensues, culminating in an imagined lover's tiff at a state dinner, which the Queen has no idea she's involved in. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a twist on Twelfth Nights with a sprinkling of Bridget Jones. Mm-hmm. Simon the Depressed Movie Watcher at Depressed Movie said, Make it a meta-analogy thing with the same actors. The awards favourite. Ah, uh, yeah. Olivia Coleman, now an Oscar winner, is mm-hmm. on festival duty as a juror, deciding who's going to win the grand prize. Mm-hmm. Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone are both directors vying for Olivia Coleman's approval in an escalating battle. Sure. I like that. Also, yeah. rabbits in depression, apparently. So, yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. But I think that, I, I think that might be my favourite. I really like that. And finally, at listening to film, said, all the, all the pet rabbits stage a coup watership down style. So I guess the rabbits attack the people, which... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. Mm. So, yeah, those are all my sequels. Sure. Sounds good. I like it. Great. So, thank you, everybody, for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter, where you can post your ideas. So, make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many more. We can also give us a five-star review if you so wish. It would definitely help us out in terms of reaching new listeners, so please do take the time. We really appreciate it. We're also available on Patreon, which is exclusively for the people who would raise us five stars or more if they could. Uh, and if you go there, you can find loads of bonus incentives that Harry's already described, including extended episodes, bonus episodes, guest slots, uh, 30 second ad slots that works. So all those links can be found at beyondtheboxset.com or at patreon.com forward slash beyondtheboxset. And next week, Harry, mm-hmm. yeah, it is my choice. Mm-hmm. So, if all goes to plan, this mm. episode, this episode, the favourite, will go out at the beginning of the weekend of this year's Oscar ceremony. Sure. You know, a, a night of dreams for many people. Mm-hmm. Tragically, <laughs> one one woman, one actress, whose dreams will not be coming true mm. on Oscar night, mm. is uh, is Jennifer Lopez, oh. who um, was cruelly snubbed for Hustlers. Mm-hmm. I'm still not quite over it. Mm-hmm. So, to kind of work through my feelings about that snub... I thought we would do another film that uh, a lot of people think Jennifer Lopez should have been nominated for an Oscar for. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do a little film called Out of Sight. I'm not sure if I've heard of it. I actually, I know you made a face when I said Jennifer Lopez. I think you will like this film. Okay. It's not a rom-com. Okay. It's a Steven Soderbergh thriller. Mm. George Clooney's in it. Mm. I think it's really good and I think it will be up your street. Genuinely. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. You know, we'll see. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Great. Okay, so listeners, join us next week for Out of Sight. Brilliant. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you very much. See you next week. See you next week. Bye.
Must the duck be here? 